even though it's literally my brand that John and I started, I still would hesitate and don't think I ever would tattoo it on my body because it's. I'll, it's I'll do it if you do it. Wow. Oh, now wait a minute. That changes okay. shit. The game, the game that changes, changes things a whole lot. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Rideout. This is PHP Ugly episode 107, if you can believe it. Uh, here with me, as always, is Eric Van Johnson. Hello, Thomas. And here with me, as occasionally, John Condon. <laughs> Hello. So, always occasionally, the John Always Condon. occasionally. I do have to apologize. Okay, last week, legitimate excuse, I was sick. I, we took the kids to this water park for an entire weekend. Really cool place called Great Wolf Lodge. And the kids got super sick, and of course, my wife and I later that week got sick. So I wasn't here last week. But I do have to apologize for not just that, but I've, I've actually been absent for two weeks, if you hadn't noticed. We didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that, actually. <laughs> I, I decided I wanted to talk about this because I, I think it's funny. to Go back and listen to two episodes ago, and I'm basically not here at all. <laughs> I did notice that. Yeah, but do you know why I wasn't he was absent? I, were you really, really drunk? <clears throat> no. So Eric knows the reason. So, as you may know, marijuana is now legal in California. Oh, so I was close. Oh, we're having this conversation? <laughs> we're having this conversation. And it's one of those things I've been curious about for years, just not having not done it. I'm like, it's legal. I'm going to, I'm curious. Let me start trying this. So, uh, I have some friends who are doing the, the marijuana vape pens instead of actually smoking the, the actual plant, right? And sure. <clears throat> so, the weekend prior, I tried very slowly. The first night, I, I did just one hit. I'm like, eh, whatever. Second night, did two hits. Again, all I really felt was relaxed. I didn't really, didn't really do much for me. Then I decided, you know what? Before the show, I'm going to do three hits that night. And I was just basically... <laughs> like, I just... All I wanted to do was go to sleep. I didn't even care about the world. Just I, I just wanted to be left alone. <laughs> like, can you guys stop talking already? I'm done. <laughs> He was baked out of his mind. So, bottom line, I'm not into it. I gave gave away what I had, my vape pen. I'm just, I'm not a, a pot person. Which leads me to another point. I'm going to just keep rambling because I can. Listening to NPR, we, California has state elections coming up, I think, next week or, or something. But listening to some of the candidates, and California made marijuana legal. And, of course, this one person who's running for uh, board of supervisors or something doesn't want cannabis sales in his district. And it's like, you allow alcohol, you allow cigarettes, you allow, um, what's the other thing I'm trying to think of wine, beer, but people will try it. And if it's not for them, they're going to not do it. Just kind of like what I just did. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, we talk we talk about that a lot about how it, it's weird how much there's still such a strong stigma attached to the consumption the the use and consumption of uh, pot here in California now that it's legal. You know, it's like okay, well, you know, it's basically on the same level as alcohol as far as consumption goes. Um, that's far safer as far as public health. That's up for debate. Yeah, I mean, but all, all that aside, whether whether it's safe or not, it's just we we've been so ingrained, especially our generation of the 
war on drugs, just say no mentality, where that was drilled into us all through school, uh, and that pot was this gateway drug, um, it's so hard, so very hard to, to just shake that stigma. And, and you're, you're, you're always very cautious about who you share this information with. It's, it's weird. And, and I'm curious if that's ever going to change, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a cool time to, to be here. And because you already walked into this Thomas, uh, where you're at because I believe it's been legal in Colorado for a few years now. Yeah. And uh, somebody was asking me about it here. They're like, Hey, you know, what's the, what, what's been the impact? And it's, it's only been legal since January. And it's just like, I just tell them all the time. I'm like, it, it was really a non-event. People that were already using it, didn't care. They just can buy it legally and probably more safely than they used to. Oh no, we cared. It was, it was a big deal. You have to understand that 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 a lot of people see it as a, a race issue, that that marijuana possession was used by the police to unfairly incarcerate minorities, and that's been the huge push behind the people who are in Colorado, like me, and want it legalized in California. Is that this is this is not just a substance issue. This is an issue with real societal issue, you know problems behind. Right. It. Okay. You misunderstood what I said then. When I said didn't care, people that were using already were already using, so they can now probably buy it more safely. That the people, yeah, and the price isn't any different. And the people that were that are curious and wanted to try it now feel more confident and safe, feel like it's safe to try, and then can make up their own mind. And the people that were against it will still be against it. So to me, there is not that big of a deal. The piece that I I find really interesting that's happening at least happening here in California, I assume it happened in the other states as well, are that the people who are serving time or the people who have been arrested for it in the past are filing petitions for to basically have those charges dropped and, and taken off their record. And there's there's now a process in place. If, if you're, to my understanding, obviously I'm not in jail doing time for any sort of possession, but my understanding of it is there's now a process in place of, uh, uh, that if you're currently incarcerated for drug possession of, and that drug being marijuana, there's a, there's a petition you can fill out to be released, to have those charges dropped. I, I think that's pretty, because the other big argument with, you know, one of the thing, one of the driving forces behind keeping marijuana illegal, where it was the privatization of prisons and these these companies not wanting to lose their revenue stream, <laughs> but that's that's a whole nother. I, I'm not looking to get into that conversation at all. It's just it's been it's. I, I'm really hoping to see the tax benefits that everybody's been promised by legalizing it and seeing that money get injected into schools and programs that need it yeah i didn't mean to make this whole episode about marijuana it's just kind of like what had happened to me two weeks ago thought thought people thought people would laugh it's only it's only been 10 minutes <laughs> you're you're having issues with with time dilation here <laughs> no I, i'm saying it's time to move on <laughs> that's what it's like this is supposed to be a php programming uh podcast not a drug podcast <laughs> i have i i am super excited about this incredible new opportunity 
Have you guys looked into Howie Coin? I've owned like I own oh, like fifty yes. of them. What is a Howie Coin? It is it is an amazing new ICO. It's 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 pending right now. Guaranteed one percent daily return using the blockchain. It is uh, just just stunning. You know, I mean, it's all of those all of those popping keywords, discounts on initial and early purchases, uh, big countdown clock for when it goes public, a, a white paper that generally just says nothing, but it's a white paper. Uh, you know, all of the things that you see and just say, I absolutely need to invest in this right now. And the catch is? It's not actually real. It was created by the SEC to show how uh, gullible people can be easily parted with their money. The, I'm sorry, the FCC? SEC, the Securities Exchange, Exchange Commission. Oh, SEC. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Are they releasing the, the numbers, like how many people would would be willing to participate? I haven't seen this, but if you click on the buy, buy coins now button, it is not nice to you. <laughs> it's It's very, I mean, literally lots of red flags on the page. Uh, you've been scammed. Howie coins are completely fake. Welcome to investor.gov, the Security Exchange Commission site des- designed for individual investors. I mean, and then it just breaks down everything that they said on their big production fancy website and says, this is how you know this is a scam because we kept saying it over and over what, and over. What, what is this supposed to do? Well, I mean, seriously, what is this is so stupid. It's like you, you, you want to go after somebody, go after some of these you know, MLMs that, that have people sell crap products and make their friends come in and sell pr- crap products. It's like... They're doing that, too. Well, this is stupid. No. Why, why are we giving this... So, I, giving I told you about time? the I told you about the terrible Bitcoin meetup that I went to. Yes. And I'm still on their mailing list. And they still have daily emails about the hottest new coin to invest in. All of them are shockingly scammy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've seen the people who are dumping their savings, their life savings into ICOs that they have no idea if they're real or not or what they are. None none of this is new. It's always been like this. It it was this with junk bonds. It was this with... I mean, it's always this. There's always a quick path to riches scam. So they they slap the label of... uh, uh, Cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. That's what I I was looking for. So they, they slapped the label of cryptocurrency on it. And that's, you know, they, they ripped off the junk bonds <laughs> label and slapped cryptocurrency. It's always there. This is nothing new. Why are people shocked by it? It's not people are shocked. It's, it's, shocked. it's the fact that the SEC is actually trying to help here. Like, if you were actually going to invest in this and you clicked on the buy now and then you get to this page like, hey, just so you know, this was a scam and here's how you can spot other scams like this. They're trying to prevent you from doing it on a site that would really take your money. And I think they're promoting people like us who are tech savvy to put this on our Facebooks and Twitter and to give it the scam line and, and talk to... about it on the podcast. Yeah, they they only did this so that PHP Ugly would talk about it. There's <laughs> an internal memo. <laughs> We're a big market. Uh, but it's yeah, it's not necessarily the what it is that they're doing, but it's the fact that it's the SEC that's doing it because they've had a very hands-off approach for a lot of things crypto and it looks like they're paying more attention and trying to secure the market in a way that people who are in the cryptocurrency game agree with okay you think they're trying to help you you don't think that this is just an all-out 
saying, "Hey, cryptocurrency is a scam. Don't believe any any of these these pitches." No, I haven't read through it all, but the pieces I did look at were look for these key terms. These are these are signs of a scam. Things you should be looking out for. Not all cryptocurrency is bad. Yeah, this is very specific to. Here's how ICO scams look, and don't get hit by one. Okay. All right. Well, you've done your your, your civic duty and and talked about it. I think if I've blown their cover. Now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, what have you guys been up to this week? <sighs> Instead of going right through news articles, we figured. I mean, what have you guys I been mean, up to? That just to? goes right back to me. I have an issue. Oh, what's your issue? So this week, we've had a occasional out-of-memory errors on our production servers, mm-hmm. and those are always real fun to try and dig down. <clears throat> There's yeah. nothing indicating why it's happening or who it's happening to, and it's really... Just go, go into your PHP INI file and kick it up by a few gigs, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah, that, that's what I do. It's easier that way. Well, that's, we, all, that's all I do. It's like, no, there's more RAM in there. I'll just give it more RAM in the PHP INI file. It's there for them to use. We ended up finding the issue, and naturally it was user unexpected user behavior. Uh, we have Oh, a, was this, uh, spoiler alert, was this the one, was this the issue you posted in Slack this week? It was. Ah, okay, let's talk Is about it, that. It's not it's a spoiler a alert if you issue. don't spoil it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert that I, I know where he's going with this. So... We have lots of videos on our website in the in the range of 20,000 videos, and you can mark those as a favorite video. Mm-hmm. It turns out a number of users were favoriting every video. Okay. Now, what we don't have is a watched indicator. So we don't have any way of a user just immediately recognizing that they've already watched a video. So I am assuming that creative users have ended up using the favorite system to mark something as having been watched. Hmm. I don't, okay. I don't want to watch this video again. This is completely <laughs> unexpected behavior. That's not why we built the favoriting system. And the way the favoriting system worked was that in the constructor for our controllers, we grabbed all of that user's favorites. And when rendering the page, we checked if the video was in that array. Mm. And if it was, then we popped a little icon that said favorited. Mm. But when I emulated our user's behavior, I found that that array was taking up 43 megabytes of RAM on its own. That doesn't seem like that much. It's yeah. quite a lot when you 40, have to... 43 megabytes for a user or 43 megabytes for a all user. users? A user. Yeah. You guys have a fairly large user base, right? Right, and this this is queried out of the database, and then it's cached, but every time you add a new favorite, we flush the cache for that user. And so what ended up happening was we got massive lists of favorites that would slow down the rendering time. Because remember, now we're looking, we're pulling this up, and then we're finding out if this ID is in an array. A 43 megabyte array, yeah. Right, and then we're doing that 30 or 40 times on the page. So that's not a well-indexed array, it's not it's not ordered by any logical search pattern that PHP can use and it just it's a total nightmare and so my issue was how do I stop this how do I provide the same functionality but quick not question. look up just yeah. one question before you before you get your re- to your resolution what, were more than one user doing this i mean it, it's many it, the, see that that's a red flag to me 
because that's such an odd behavior to do. If you were to tell me a couple were doing it over time and you guys just realized it, maybe. But for there to be a few users, or as you put it, many users doing it, I don't know. Seems weird to me. Seems like something else is going on. And well, you're, sure think- not, you're sure there's not a bug in your code that just like automatically marks it as favorite. Yes. Yeah, because I, I I had to I had to write that bug for myself to test this, and it was not an easy yeah, loop just to perform. Weird, man. Well, I, I think it's a I think it is a reflection of how people use our website and the fact that we were missing a watched uh, tag. But all of a sudden, for a bunch of people to start using that same, it wasn't all of a sudden. It was just that we figured it out all of a sudden. We had bumped up the RAM usage per thread, and we had done a lot of mitigation stuff. But we hadn't spent the time to dig deep into why it was happening. And obviously, these are users with accounts, right? Because that's the only yes. way you can track them. Right. And they're, they're users with accounts, and they're, they're users who are not inclined to contact technical support. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but out of curiosity, what, <laughs> what is your per-page memory usage if, if 43 megabytes is, is one factor of causing an out-of-memory issue? Uh, I'm not sure. It, it should probably be in the... Eight megabyte range. It's a it's a very very featureful site, right? But eight megabytes. It's not just a it's not just a blog. You you don't want to know what I have uh, our website set to on one of our clients. Well, we we cache everything. If our page has more than zero queries on average hit, then it's too many. Yeah, you still so, don't want to know what it's set to. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked it up. So it's a lot. I, I was. I was really stumped by this because we were fetching the scene count, the video count, much later than we were fetching the customer's account information. And I didn't want to go into every place where we were rendering video and change it to do a lookup of some kind. And remember that this is a lookup that is per video per user. So that's not an easily cacheable query for us. That creates thousands of cached queries per user that we don't want. And I ended up coming with a coming up with a pretty novel solution to do as little work as possible, both programmatically and for me. Instead of having to go through every single page and change the the way it renders, I came up with a simple solution. And that is? I added a data tag to the favorites icon, which stored the video ID. Mm-hmm. And then after the page loaded, I fetched all of those data tags and ask the server if those videos that were currently visible were favorited. Makes sense. And boom. One Ajax call, half a second, it immediately populates the favorites list, and it performs one simple query with a maximum of 30, 40 video IDs in it. So prior to this, you were pulling the entire array, and now now you're pulling just what you need. Just just what's visible on the screen. How does that work with caching? So you were trying to to cache the entire thing. Yeah. So now I take that one page of requests, I serialize it and MD5 it and throw that into a cache tag. So now if they view that same page, then it's cached. Gotcha. But if you're adding new videos and like every page for that user changes, their cache is busted. The cache has to, yeah, it has to refresh, but it's a, it's a fast query already <laughs> and it's a single query in the actual Ajax hit, so it's nice and quick. It's and it managed to work out really well. I I basically put this request in the footer of our main template and 
boom, it was problem fixed. Interesting. When you were talking about this in Slack, you were hinting around about the idea of using Redis, but you ended up not going that direction? Uh, I was considering using Redis, but it produced the same general issue, which is that it would it would make this massively inflated collection of IDs that I'd still have to fetch early. Right. Is this to say you're using Vue on? No, I'm not using Vue on anything. Uh, oh. Oh, I thought you were using Vue on some stuff. I wanted to, and I never got comfortable enough with it to start putting it anywhere. <sighs> yeah, we've got we've added Vue to our second Greenfield application, and the team just loves it, man. They're just digging their teeth into it. They're it's every the 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 site has basically become a spa, a single page application. Not a true single page application, but everything is a Everything's a API call. I mean, it's a, it's a true spa, isn't it? Yeah, we can talk know. later about it. Spot. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's quick. It's responsive. It's nice. I'm, I'm not going to lie. And like I said, the team is loving, loving using Vue. We had a, another Greenfield application we did that some of the members who are working on this one had worked on. That was the client that we, we discussed some couple shows back that... You know, we had finished up the application, we handed it off, and uh, they had originally done that application in Vue as well. Now, due to some requirements by the client, they ended up pulling Vue out, but that was like their first taste of Vue, and man, were they excited about it. I mean, listening to them talk about it uh, week after week just, you know, just got me more wanting to do more Vue development, and a couple of the developers even went as far as to start a view user group here in San Diego. And I completely, completely have embraced view development. Um, but now we're on to the second Greenfield application and, and we have more control over the solutions that we implement for it. So we'll definitely be sticking with view and already the team is just so have embraced it so much. It's, it's exciting. I, as somebody who's always struggled with, and I can't, I don't have a good explanation to why I struggle with JavaScript and the JavaScript frameworks out there, but I always have. I've, I've done enough to be a complete hack and get things done, but I have never reached a level of clarity that I felt like I, I understood what was, what was actually happening. And I'm getting there with Vue. Like, I can't code in Vue the way I code in PHP yet, where I can just sit down and start typing things out. But I feel, I feel like Vue would be that path that would allow me to do that. It's, it's exciting for me. Yeah. I've been using it a lot more and really enjoy it. It's been really just yeah. getting a, I wrote a feature for a client and was able to get it up and running way faster than I thought I was going to be able to. And was so excited when it actually started working. I wasn't expecting it, so I was <laughs> just thinking, I was pumped by it. I was like, "Wait, this isn't supposed to work yet, but it does." <laughs> isn't that the opposite of programming? Yeah, whatever. I just I throw a bunch of words together. Things work sometimes. Sometimes they don't. John, did mm -hmm. you get an opportunity to listen to last week's show? I started to, but I did not listen to the whole thing. It started making him sick again. <laughs> We uh we touched on a topic and, and I I forget now in having this conversation how far how much of the conversation from last week 
we've recorded and put on the show, but Thomas and I actually had a much deeper discussion about it. But Thomas had mentioned the fact that he had gotten a new vehicle. He'd gotten a Jeep. And and he said his immediate reaction was to go out and get a Jeep tattoo. And I was like, you know what? It, it was like this... I, I know, mockingly like, said that my first reaction was to get a Jeep tattoo. I think I talked you, you off that ledge a little bit. But, <laughs> but uh, Thomas and I had... Uh, a more in-depth conversation about it, and again, I don't remember if we put it on the show or not. So I, I've got ink. I've got a. I've got a, a big tattoo on my on my forearm, and I I got it very late in life. Um, matter of fact, yeah, I've only ago. had. I only I've only had it for a couple years. I, I've had <laughs> it for a few years now. But oh yeah, I guess we're uh, hundred episodes in, aren't we? Yeah. So obviously, I don't have an issue with tattoos. I have people in my family who have tattoos. My wife has several tattoos. My Children now have tattoos. My mother had tattoos, so I, I've always never had a problem with it. I just, I just never had a good enough thing that I wanted tattooed on me. And the conversation Thomas and I had is, I always had, I always struggled with branding. Um, I'm anybody who knows me knows that I'm a massive Batman fan. Getting Batman tattooed on me somewhere would make complete sense, but. It's still a brand. And even today, where I own a company, I've actually created a brand. I mean, I wear it every day on, on my body in the form of clothing. I sticker it all on every item I have. I can literally see it twice in your video feed <laughs> right now. Exactly. And, and even though I created this, even though I'm passionate about it, even though it's literally my brand that I started, well, John and I started, I still would hesitate and don't think I ever would tattoo it on my body because it's, I'll, it's I'll do it. If you do it. Wow. Oh, now wait a minute. That changes okay, shit. The game, the game that changes, changes things a whole lot. First off, you know, he's lying. You 100% know he's no, lying. No, he's not lying. I, I, I can guilt him into doing it. If I did it, I can guilt him into doing it. Oh. Maybe, maybe that's what we do at Wave PHP. John and, John and Eric get tattooed. Do we need like a oh, tattoo man. booth at the hotel lobby? <laughs> so that leads into our, that leads into our next conversation. So John and I jokingly started talking this morning. I'm like, hey, how about we offer to give somebody a free Wave PHP ticket if they get the logo tattooed on them and we were joking around about that and uh we, we were thinking about like sending out a tweet or something and again i love the i love the wave php tattoo it's something the i helped logo. create I'm, it's something i'm <clears throat> yeah oh uh, yeah logo it's something i helped create it's something i'm very passionate about but don't think i would tattoo it on my body i'll do it if you do it <laughs> See, now it seems like John wants to get a tattoo on his body. <laughs> However, I'm going to say Joe Ferguson is a beast. This guy, uh, we're, right before the show starts, we, I, we go to Twitter. I, I sent, I'm like, oh, let me tweet something out. And lo and behold, in my stream, I, I got a, a tweet here from Joe Ferguson getting the OSMI logo tattooed uh, on what looks to be his forearm. I, I hope that's his forearm. <laughs> now, to be clear here. The OSMI logo is much cooler than the Diego Dev logo. To be clear here, it is not. It is 100% much cooler. You're out of your mind. So, But yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not going to fault the guy. I mean, again, I, the guy's passionate about it. And, you know, John and I are getting the Diego Dev tattooed soon, so. 
Speaking of OSMI, they just sent out their uh, latest mental health and tech survey for 2018. So if you're interested in, in helping them gather more information, go to their uh, Twitter page and click on the link. I'm all over this because I, I can fill out half of their requirements in one form. Full, full disclosure, OSMI is a sponsor of WavePHP, and we do appreciate that. Definitely. Have we? We've never done full disclosure before, have we? I feel like we should. Yeah. Don't we always? Especially with... Uh, if the president speak. doesn't have to, we don't have to. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> so China China bought a thousand tickets to Wave PHP. Hey, no, hey, I don't really need to say anything about that. <laughs> Just saying, thank you, Moon's the best. You guys in the government. Leave the government alone. Speaking of government... Love that guy. No, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that yet. I've been, I do appreciate that. I've been doing a lot of uh, testing lately. I'm absolutely loving it. I think we've talked on the show before about Scrutinizer, and that in it, that service in itself I I like. But what I was what I needed to get done was unit testing for this project from a completely empty database, and that is proving super challenging because the code was existing before I got there, right? And, I, and there a lot of the features and everything is so tied to a lot of the data in there, and. And figuring out what is required to get a system up and running is very challenging, I guess is for lack of a better term. So it took me probably four or five days, not full days, a few hours each each day, trying to get to a point where I could spin up a brand new database, migrate it to get the tables and everything set up, and get just enough information into it to get all of our unit tests. And I think we're up to a thousand tests now running, Oof. running and getting the getting everything to pass in a service outside of the dev database they had. I mean, don't forget when I What's your coverage? Like very low. <laughs> super low. Uh you you've got a thousand unit tests and your coverage is super low? Yeah. I'm not prepared. That's a big code base. I'm, you're yeah, that sounds like you're either micro testing or Oh, it's definitely micro testing. Your code base is monolithic. No, it's it's definitely micro testing. I don't have the numbers. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's I know. only work with tests in one place and it's the iron queue stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just testing the endpoint functionality. So it's just just testing the publicly revealed API calls. It's not testing oh, you know, the... You're, you're talking about the IronMQ uh, package that you manage for... Uh, what the hell is that called? A Laravel Collective, which is now updated and actually working. Yeah, good job. 5.6 compatible. Nice. Um, yeah, and it just tests the API endpoints. So it just says, can you queue something? Can it encrypt when it's queued? Can I pull the queue message back if it's a theoretical message and it has the same package structure as the one I sent. So it even in the even in the unit test, it doesn't ever send anything to IronMQ. It mocks all of IronMQ's functionality. So if you're mocking that Yeah, but you're you're oh, you're weird. you're assuming IronMQ is gonna do its job correctly. Right. right. I mean that, I mean that's the whole point. So I'm just testing my endpoints and I'm mocking everything else. Mm-hmm. And you're just you're the the mock just you just keep it up to whatever IronMQ's standards are, like which don't change because I'm keeping the the API version at whatever version it's locked into from when I inherited the project in the first place. That's scary. But, you're not. You're not. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean IronMQ isn't changing it. No, the IronMQ is very good about following their standard or following Semver standards. So mm. I know that as long as I'm locked in the three the three branch, I'm not going to see changes in functionality. Right. But even if it, 
if you well, I guess you need to change your tests. You need to change your mocks to mock the proper data, right? That's the big deal. Yes. Yes, but the data I generate. So my tests have to change when Laravel changes. So what I'm really testing is the inherited properties from Laravel. Mm. So uh, IronMQ is on top of the Q service provider from Laravel. So the Q service provider, when it changes, that's when things break. And I have to go in and figure out what changed and how the data is being produced differently. Mm. Um, and all of my tests were passing... But there was a core functionality change in Laravel 5.6 that broke named queues completely. And I didn't catch it until months after 5.6 was released because mm. my tests didn't send real data to real servers. So there's definitely a problem there, but I also don't have a method for querying the endpoint API to see if a job properly got deleted. I have to go into IronMQ with an active account and make sure that it did. Hmm. So my testing is not just unit. Unit testing covers me there for changes in Laravel, but it doesn't cover me for changes in Laravel that break untested functionality that needs manual verification. Hmm. Hmm. I don't like testing. <clears throat> Test I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. <laughs> testing is oh, awesome. John, I, yeah, yeah, John and I have been talking about it. Say, testing is really changing. Again... We talk about the, the Greenfield application. We've got, at any given time, we, we've got three to four developers actively contributing to it every day, plus another two to three developers that pop in for feature sets or when when they have time wor working away from legacy code to contribute to this Greenfield app. And the, the only way that is possible for me to feel comfortable is knowing that these developers are running these tests. And even if they're not running the, the test, uh, if they open up a pull request, that scrutinizer service that John mentioned does run the test. And it's impossible to merge it unless those tests are passing. The confidence level I, I get around what's being contributed and its impact to existing code base it's really gotten so much better. And the refactoring is just so nice. We've already gone in and, and refactored. You know, we've had to refactor certain methods. And having those tests are just so valuable. I, so, I, so I do valuable. have to throw a caveat in there, though. I, one of the pieces of code I was working on was this 300-line function which in and, of, in and of itself is ridiculous. I wrote unit tests around it, and I think I got up to 90, like 3, 94% coverage on this test and then spent time refactoring it. All my tests still passed. Luckily, somebody else set up Ghost Inspector tests, which if you haven't used Ghost Inspector, it's basically like Selenium, right? You can go in and you, you can record actual steps through a web browser, and then every time you do a pull request, it can kick that off and run through these browser tests. And somebody had written tests for code I released a, a, like a month ago. And before I had this specific piece of code unit tested with PHP unit, his Ghost Inspector test caught an issue that I missed in my unit test. And it wasn't in that 6% that wasn't covered, mind you. It still passed all my unit tests. But just because you have coverage there doesn't mean you've got everything figured out yeah there's always edge cases yeah so are you guys writing strict for the greenfield app like 
return, expected return, expected inputs, that kind of stuff. No, that's what and, I'm. And, and we could to be, do. because we we are on PHP seven for that Greenfield app. So yeah, there, we should. There's really no reason. <clears throat> Definitely should. Yeah. Ah. Seven point zero. Seven point two is what we are. Right. For the Greenfield. Yeah. He he just meant he point zero's only got a few months left. Yeah, he just meant that on seven you have the return types available. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I I really want to get into doing the return the strict return types because catching stuff while I'm developing for me is much better than catching stuff during testing. So I have a I've been using annotations for return types for a while, but again, this being a legacy app that I mainly work in, I have a lot of returns bool or an object Mm -hmm. and it's a pain in the ass because then i've I've, throughout the code it's like there's a lot of places in the code that assume the object's returned it doesn't even check for Mm. false or null or whatever yeah so scrutinizer is catching a lot of that like hey if you return a boolean you can't look for this this property or this method call which is great which is which is a fatal error right in php right like Trying to get a property of a non-object is my absolute worst bug that I see all the time. Mm-hmm. And it kicks off bug snag all the time. This is happening because 99% of the time it works the way it's supposed to work. There's just not enough checks to make sure it works. In my opinion, and from presentations I've watched, I feel you should either return an object or throw an exception. Yes. But a lot of people that I work with disagree with that. And they think returning false or null is fine as well. They're wrong. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> My 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 new paradigm is is to return only one type. Mm-hmm. Do not do not combine types. So if I'm going to throw an integer, I'm going to throw an integer. If I'm going to throw an object, an object. But never an object or false or null mm-hmm. or. And working with JavaScript has really pounded that into me too, because JavaScript cannot handle that null objects at all. Like it really just crashes out, and it'll crash out the rest of the JavaScript for every other included JavaScript in the page. Like, it doesn't just fail gracefully, it fails nightmarishly. Yeah, that's and that's one thing I hate about JavaScript. I mean, I, I like it as well, but, man, that one error just re- wreaking havoc on everything. Yeah, and it, it seems like the more sophisticated my, my programming becomes, the less like PHP 5 it is, where all of this flexibility of PHP about you know, soft typing and uh, any return value you want, all of that stuff, I'm starting to just erase. I'm starting to get rid of any flexibility in the code whatsoever. And I'm coding to very hard standards like I've used in Visual Basic. Yeah, my issue, I mean, I like that. The only issue I run into is ints and strings. Because you never really know if a one is a one or a string one and pulling information out of it. But I mean, don't, I I understand you don't know when you're looking at it, but don't you know within the method, like by the time you get to the return, (laughs) you know, you would know whether or not it's an int or a string or at least cast, cast it to one or the other. Yes. In that case, but uh, the, the data objects package they use to get data out of the database I mean, I I could spend time looking. I'm assuming oh, 99% of the time that it's really returning a string. They're not casting it to I an see int. What you're saying. Mm-hmm. So you start looking at in PHP Storm all over the places. You should be using a triple equals or you know mm-hmm. to to check for type as well. And I'm like, I don't really know if it's been converted to an integer at this point, or I could assume it's a string out of the database. But did some some other object somewhere converted to an integer 
for some reason. I believe that's one of the big advantages of Doctrine, where Doctrine requires you to include the schema for the database in the code. But, so but that still, it's only casts included everything. in one place. It, it, it's still included in just the one place. It, it wouldn't. It still wouldn't help the situation John has, where he's in another place, piece of the code code base, getting that return and not knowing if that return yeah, is an integer. I, or I think what he's saying though is, if you write to a doctrine object, I'm assuming on the set it says, "Oh, you're writing to this ID field. Right. It's an integer, not a string one." Right. Doctrine is strictly typed on the schema, and so you can't pull from it or push to it without getting a collision on the type. It, it depends. I haven't used Doctrine in forever, so I don't know if, if you're at the model level before you actually save it, does it complain? I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway. I, I mean, there's, there, is that, there is that separation between the database and the code that I've never really nailed down well. Yeah. Well, I, I found a new issue in, in this code base this week, or late last week, where they are so tightly coupled to the database and they're the data objects package they, they've been using since PHP 4. Data objects, they, it creates the, the table schema for them so they know what fields they have, but then they extend from that and end up adding additional per, uh, properties to the object. I don't know how this hasn't bitten them time and time again, but on an export they found it where as you're looping through your result set, it's not clearing out all those properties. So if you mm-hmm. go in, if if it's set at a previous record, record and it comes back around, it's right still there. on the second record, uh, it's it's there, and, and the export says, "Oh, <laughs> I've got this data right here." And it's like, "Well, yeah, from the previous record because it wasn't cleared out." And that's that's just one of those things where I think they just they've been lucky up until this point, and the the workaround or the fix that they want for it is I don't know how to say it. it a micro solution is fixing that exact issue versus the broad issue. And yeah. and I can understand that you, you want to be safe. I mean, you're, you're making millions of dollars off this product. You don't want to accidentally make it worse. Shoot yourself in the foot somewhere else. Yeah. That, that you're not anticipating it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, but you know, it's wrong. <laughs> it's like, this isn't working. <laughs> I, I have testing showing this doesn't work and I want it fixed. But again, it's so hard. It's such a balancing act. It's you want it to be right, but you also want it to continue working and not break. Yeah, that's that's tough. And again, that that's where good code coverage and good good tests really help. But unfortunately, yeah, you're not in that position right now. No, not at all. One of the other things we talked about last week, and I don't, again, I don't know if you've gotten to this point listening to the show, John, but we talked about um, Visual Studio Code and. They they released their new. I'm sorry. We'll take a break here. What's the huh? Thomas shared some screenshot. I don't know what it's about. It's from episode 105. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought I thought it was from this episode. He's wearing the same shirt. <laughs> it's uh, it's you looking a little glassy. <laughs> I was so glassy. Yeah, I I didn't tell. I didn't share with Thomas. I, I did. I share with you, Thomas. No. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. John John totally. <laughs> Totally assume that we knew. I told you before the episode. On, well, not specifically. The paranoia sets in fast. I told you before the <laughs> no. Before, you you can keep all this in the episode at this point. I don't care. I I told him before the episode. I'm like, this is either gonna be a really good episode or a really crappy episode. <laughs> all right. So in case we do keep this in, because we typically cut cut breaks, I, I stumbled a little bit because John had posted in Slack, huh? 
And I thought he was referring to the story I was leading into. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm confused. Should I keep talking or not talking? I stopped talking. And Thomas had posted an image of John from her, from the episode where John previously admitted that he'd smoked before the show. And he looked he looks baked as shit. <laughs> well, John, John had told me a couple of days later, or maybe even the next day, that was his status. That, that was the situation. But Thomas and I never, never even thought that about John. Um, and he, I didn't, and, I didn't think that was the problem. I knew that he was, he was extra quiet. But yeah, I didn't yeah. Know, and I, I didn't knew that because we, he well, could we feel about, the universe. We talked about it. Yeah, we talked about. It. I was like, wow, that was like. John was like especially not <laughs> contributing today. <laughs> it was very so, mellow. So John had John had disclosed to me because yeah, you know, I hit this vape pen and it wiped me out. That was dumb. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't share it with Thomas, and it was it was for no reason other than I didn't think about it, to be honest with you. But you know, I, I thought it, I thought it was kind of funny. But now. Looking back, it was it was funny because John had assumed that Thomas and I had figured it out and were making fun of him. I did. Thomas and I had no clue. That's so true. Every time you guys said I was so relaxed or something, I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah, that paranoia kicks in quick. You got to be careful. About that <laughs> it wasn't stuff. even paranoia. It was just I thought you were teasing me. We we should have known by by the bags of Doritos on your on your desk and you just stuffing <laughs> them in your face. Your orange fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good drug usage is funny. <laughs> have have Why? any 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 of y'all seen uh, Deadpool two yet? No. no, I'm about oh, I'm about ten gosh. minutes into Deadpool. Right, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about Deadpool two. But there are a couple of jokes in there that I'm sort of ashamed. I thought were so funny, and like there was one, especially where I'm like, okay, I've never thought about even trying that, but I want to try that. What he just did, <laughs> I do. I'll, I'll share it with you. Yeah, share later. Huh? Share later. I do have a question about Deadpool. Like yes. like I said, I'm like ten minutes into Deadpool one, like the first one. <laughs> is it really a, it somehow associated with X Men throughout the movie? And if it's a spoiler, don't tell me. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No. What do you mean? No. It's the X Force. No, they talk no, about no, the X Men. I mean, in, 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 like they actually show in the comic book. Yeah, it's yeah, associated comic... with Marvel, which is in no, the same no. universe. No, no, but the no, movie no. itself. Stop, stop. In the comic book series. He always has a relationship. Yes. Some some ex, external relationship with the X-Men. And so yes, that translates in the movie. The sort of the sort of involvement he has with the X-Men is sort of the same sort of relationship he has in the comic books okay. as well. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like somehow being thrown into the movie in a weird way. All right. Thanks. No, yeah. no, no. It's, it's not the, just being the, shoehorned in there cuz they're cuz that's like the hot property or anything. You have to understand that canonically one of his superpowers. Don't tell me. I haven't seen it. Wait, a, don't, 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 don't spoil it. I haven't seen. No, it's not a spoiler. Okay, it's 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 a core concept of the of the characters that he is the only person who's aware that he's a comic book character, that he is not real. Spoiler: I'm only ten minutes so, in. I haven't seen that part. He addresses <laughs> the the fourth wall fourth quite wall. a bit. Yeah, he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, that I yeah. that I have seen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so, so that's that's again consistent with the comic books. That's not something that that they're just doing for the movies. Oh, interesting, Eric. I need you. I need I need you to stop, cover your stop. 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 We were having a conversation before we got sidetracked. I want to finish that conversation. Okay. <laughs> he, 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 I'm allowed to sidetrack. You're not. I know. <laughs> the perks of dating the boss. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Got to put out. Got to put out once in a while. Are you? You're going to sidetrack me again. I was. Ta- we were talking about it at Creep. So thir- today's Thursday. We record Thursday. Well, Thursday morning is our Crepes Day. Where the the most of the Diego Dev team here in San Diego get get together and we have crepes and you know we have some real you know in real life conversations and the one that came up today is I wonder how many people in the PHP community or who listen to the podcast think that John and I are a couple because the especially the way I speak about John because I always refer to him as my partner. I've, it's not I've enough. Said, I've said. How- on and and I just edited the PHP podcast for PHP Architect Magazine, and in that pod- podcast, I say I I feel so lucky to have you in my life. I'm like, I'm like listening to that. I'm like, just so you know, I I feel hell? I feel the same way about you. Just so you know. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting a phone call from Freud. <laughs> so, so we were just talking about like, I wonder how many people think. We're, we're actually like we we go to like a conference and we're always hanging out together and it's it's weird but I I'm perfectly comfortable in my manhood and my sexuality and all that so I, it doesn't bother bother me no but the weird part is how comfortable with his manhood and sexuality you are there's nothing what like are that. you holding in your hand a bottle that is the biggest syringe of meth I've ever seen what is that who's doing the side tracking now. <laughs> So to to clear up the record, no, you guys are not dating. Wink. (laughs) We just do some light petting. (laughs) Can't imagine why people think we have a relationship. You haven't seen us in the back of the car after after a SDP. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we were talking last week, John, about. Visual Studio Code, and they had just released their Live Share plugin. Mm-hmm. I and I hear about this. Now, Mark's okay. So, so you listen to the show. Mm-hmm. I assume if you're listening to the show now, you would listen to the previous show because this would be a weird show to pick up the the series on, and you've missed all the backstory. I I thought to myself how cool this was and how I uh, you know I wonder if I'm ever going to really have the opportunity to use it in. This week, I had the opportunity to use it. It just happened to be with Marcus again, but I was having some problem with some code, and I couldn't. I, I really got it, gotten it down to one line of code, and I couldn't get that one line of code to work correctly. It was a Laravel application that it dealt with the disk driver, the storage uh, driver that they have, and I was trying to push something up to S3 using it. So I reached out to Marcus because Marcus is deep into the Greenfield app as well. I'm like, hey man, let's let's uh, do some pair programming on this because I can't figure it out. And of course, uh, you know, Marcus pops on and and it's yeah, you know, the problem isn't obvious at first. And so we're we're trying different things, and he takes over for a while and types in a few things, and I take over for a while and type a few things. And within like two or three minutes, you know, we got it working. But it was just like such a different. I, I've paired program before, remotely paired program before, especially even with John. And it, 
it's always like, no, 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 go two lines up. No, 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 not now down. Go down one line. Okay, that line right there. Go over to the because because you know, we're doing via video okay. versus actual pair programming. Yeah, it, it was it was such a change. You know, it was, it was very much like Marcus is like, oh wait, wait, let's try this, and you know, he just starts typing, and of course, my code is changing, and because I'm I'm running this locally, you know, I, I'm like, okay. You know, we're not on some remote server. We're not doing a TMUX session. He's just, he changes it. I run it locally. I'm like, oh, yeah, what? That worked. That worked. That's perfect. And it was just, it was really cool. Really need so, to give that a shot. So I'm still not into VS Code. I, I mean, I haven't even tried it because I don't bounce around like you do. But that does sound like a really cool feature. But there's so many other swing. features in PHP Storm that I really enjoy. And, and I gave VS Code a solid two weeks of full-time coding and i i bounced back to be php storm so there's there are definitely limitations within vs code that or or things that i prefer in, in php storm i still think that had money not been an issue or if if money had been an issue like if i had to to pay for php storm and i wasn't actually making a living as a php developer I could easily, easily use VS Code, but again, I could easily, easily just go back to Vim. Um, that that would that would actually be that would actually be a bigger decision for me whether I went back to Vim or stayed with VS Code. I don't know now, which one that would do. I, I have I have something to say here about VS Code, is that I've downloaded the VS Code deb file for Ubuntu. Okay, mm-hmm. you have a ticket here for the new GitHub desktop app yep i want to talk about that yeah there is no linux version there's no deb file or rpm file that's weird because it's an electron app too so there's really no reason why there shouldn't be one right and there's no reason that microsoft's visual studio code should be on linux so what kind of upside down world are we currently living in where github (laughs) doesn't have a linux version of their desktop app and Microsoft has a Linux version of their free coding app. <laughs> but I'm still confused going back to Eric stopping you from talking because he wanted to finish the conversation we were on, but then he started talking about VS Code. and He did. That was a conversation. That I'm was s- the conversation. I'm, st- about, yeah. I'm so confused. I stopped listening so to the show like an you, hour ago. Don't worry. You you'll, come down, you'll come down slowly. Since you brought up the GitHub app, I'm curious. It's funny that this this came up in this situation. Um, so I downloaded the GitHub app because I, I'm constantly wanting. And spoiler alert: it's not a feature set of even the new desktop app. But I, I I'm wanting to be able to handle pull requests and things like that through a desktop app without having to go to the website. Not that going to the website is a huge problem. It just would be nice to have the desktop app and be able to flip through the repos very quickly, handle pull requests, handle the conversations around pull requests, and the code review around pull requests in the desktop app. And but why? To be perfectly clear, that is not an option on uh, the current desktop app. Uh, again, it's just access as a client. Why? Uh, because I, it's something I would want. Um, because currently now I have to I have to keep going to keep going to GitHub and looking at pull requests. I I, I envision like a desktop application. 
having a little bit of a notification system to let me know when hmm. comments are being added. Currently, the only that way I know a comment's sense. been added to to GitHub is eventually, I, you know, I get the email. I mean, it happens pretty quick, but I don't, I don't monitor my email. I, I, I am, I am a documented email hater, and so I, I will only pop on the email a couple times a day, unless I'm working through a problem on GitHub. Yeah, you know, I'm doing a code review on GitHub. I tend to look at email a little bit more frequently because that's how I get my notification. And I would love that in a desktop app where I just have a desktop app like Slack running with all my in, you know, speaking as somebody who manages multiple projects again, have all my projects running on a desktop app and all those conversations happening in that application just seems like it would be really beneficial. That makes a lot so, more sense. Again, yeah, the current. I agree. The, the the app doesn't do that. It's it's merely a client, you know, a get pull get push sort of client. Um, but it it brought up the question of would you guys? So I use command line ninety five percent of the time. I use I use PHP Storm. Maybe I'm actually using PHP Storm a little bit more to do pushes and pulls. But other than that, I use the command line. I saw one of our developers today uh, uses Tower, and I asked him, "I'm like, why do you use Tower? Like, why do you? Because Tower is not a free application. At least I don't think it's free." But I asked him, "Why do you use Tower?" He goes, "I use it for one reason. He goes, I can do this, and he he selected two commits from within Tower, two random commits. I mean, they weren't even they weren't even in succession of each other." He, but he selects them to the two commits and he says, you know, show diff. And it, it you know, does a nice little layout to show him what the difference is between those commits. You can do that in, in PHP Storm. I use. Yeah, I do that in PHP Storm all the time. Yeah, I use PHP Storm probably 95% of the time. In, in PHP Storm, you can actually select a block of text and you can say git and then compare with branch. And you can compare that block of text with a different branch. And see when it changed and how it changed on that branch. So, so to back up a little bit there, that's interesting, Thomas. And might want to explore that again. But to back up a little bit, so you're saying in PHP Storm, and I, I didn't even know this was a feature in PHP Storm. You're saying in PHP Storm, I can point to two commits and say, "Show me the difference between these two commits for a whole project." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I'm in a commit right now, if I'm in uh, 150 and I right-click on the page that I'm on and I click on Git and then Compare with Branch, it gives me a list of branches to compare to, and I select it and it pops up their Git diff that's, window. That's branches, though. That, that's, that's not previous commit. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, I can pull up Show History uh, or I can hit Compare With, and if I hit Compare With, then it gives me specific commits to compare to. I'll have to, I don't want to fire PHP Storm now because it bogs down my system but uh, i'll have to check that out yeah i'm pretty sure you can i i use it all the time for updating branches all my pushes and pulls my merging cherry picking out of other commits (laughs) i mean i I primarily use php storm you know the only time you know the only time i use it Mm. is when i'm being blamed for something and i have to find who committed that specific line and point the finger at them that's fun too. Well, you, yeah, I, I think, I think this, this, the real strong point for me when the thing where I said, okay, I'm going to use this every time for this piece now, was when there's a merge conflict. I love the mm-hmm. the resolution workflow that kicks off. 
The the biggest thing I use the command line for outside of PHP Storm is resetting my branch because I think you can do it in PHP Storm, but it's a it's not clear. So if I'm gonna if I'm resetting for whatever reason, I go to command line for that, and occasionally I do that. Yeah, I do that a ton too. Yeah, occasionally checking out just because I'm on the command line already, I'll, I'll check out and do some things. But again, most of my Git operations at this point are in PHP Storm. I do um, Git stash a lot, which is something that PHP Storm doesn't have an intuitive interface for. But it does it automatically for uh, you. Yeah, I was going to say, it just does it for you. I yeah. didn't tell it to. No. Yeah. I need to stash when I'm writing on the wrong branch and I need to switch branches. Right. As soon as you do that. Yeah, it does a... Yeah. It's it's called a smart yeah. uh, smart checkout or something yeah. like that. It does a... It's, it's native. It, uh. it stashes it, does your checkout, and then pops the stash... Right away for you. Okay. Yeah. See, I use I use command line for ninety nine percent of Git commands. So, so you, what you're actually talking about is the PHP Storm shelving feature, which is very similar. Mm. Okay. We mentioned. Um, well, we mentioned a couple things. I've been doing experiment. Um, actually, hang, hang, hang on. Before you go on to that, we, you were talking about the the new GitHub desktop app. Mm-hmm. Since we're on desktop apps, the new freaking Hangouts chat app. Oh my God! Have you looked at what is do this? We wanna, so, do we want to talk about this? Oh my gosh! So, oh, the, the, it, where did where did that go? I had that on my Trello board. I had it on my Trello board. I haven't seen it on yours. Oh no, I had it. I had it in my to do. I had my. I had it in my to do. So, yeah, new Google Chat client. Yeah, so they're replacing Hangouts, especially in business accounts, with their new chat app, and and we think they're trying to compete with Slack. But oh my god, is that horrible? It's oh god, it's probably the worst. Right, but didn't Slack go down the day that they announced this? Did it? I don't <laughs> know. It? Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, it, they did. I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> it, but, but yeah, that, it's bad. Whatever. It's still bad. It's so bad. So it, it's it's the newly shiny, and, and I've got a real issue. I, I'm like the tick man. It's like if there's a shiny star out there, I'm going to go after it. And I, I saw this pop up. I'm like, oh, cool. Google has a new Hangout chat that's going to replace. It's supposed to re- be replacing Google Chat and Google Hangouts and, you know, making it all one. And so sure enough, I, I opened it up and I, I, I'm i like, okay. The the first thing that was kind of like Slack-ish is that you, you create a, I forget what they call it, like a team or an organization or something. And I'm like, all right, well, obviously I'll create a Diego Dev one and I'll, I'll invite you know, some Diego dev people to it. And it, it just was so bad. I mean, it's a chat client. It, it really takes effort to be bad at it. And this was bad. They tried to break you into this in Slack. It's this concept of threads, which for our organization, nobody uses because it, it distracts it's very uh, it's a very distracting it's not intuitive branch. right yeah <laughs> exactly and this new google chat tries to force you in this thread so we didn't i didn't realize this at first when we're chatting you know i think we're having a chat back and forth but we're not we're creating like new conversations back chat, and forth <laughs> yeah every time you chat you're starting a new conversation and you're supposed to reply in that conversation it that was is just horrible. Stupid. And, and, yeah, that's what and you use like for. But when a new thread pops up, you have to click a button to say, show me the, basically show me the thread. It's, it really just says new message and you have to say, show me the new message. 
This is yeah. This is gonna be it's one like, point. It's, it's like, like it, it doesn't even give you the chat. It's, what are you talking about? It just I have says, to click hey, a there's button. There's something here for you. <laughs> uh, all right, so it's terrible. Moving on. I need Eric. So I need bad. you to. I need you. You're covering the last episode. But I was you're covering the doom. About, I, I was talking about something else first, though. You got to cover I, the doom and gloom here. I, I've I've been I've been dealing with uh I've been dealing with if you remember the the conversation that we had when we went to Austin, I had. I had left my laptop in an airport. It was found. It was sent to me. But I had purchased a new laptop in the meantime. So I told John, and I think I had mentioned to you last week, Thomas, that I was thinking about making my laptop my daily driver. And yeah. uh, I I started doing that this, this past weekend where I, I bought some connectors so I could hook it up to my display because it was a mini, mini display to USB-C connection and all this crap. And... I can't believe how much trouble I'm having with this. I, I can't be the only one, but it's so bizarre. Um, so first thing, shout out to, to John for saving my ass. We recorded the PHP podcast for PHP Architect magazine, and it was weird. We used the same tools we used for PHP Ugly, and I was telling John, I'm like, that's bizarre. My levels don't look quite right, but they are moving, so it, it's hearing me. And I go ahead and record the whole podcast, only to come to the realization that I didn't have my audio hijack configured correctly. It was actually using the wrong microphone. So fortunately, because John and I both used the same configuration audio hijack, he had uh, a version of my stream recorded as well so i was able to use that the big problem i'm having i've had an issue in the past when i try to use my laptop with external keyboards and mouse um in the sense that like if i did a reboot i had to open up the because i typically use the the laptop with the clamshell shut so i don't i don't use the screen it's just shut and set to the side and i used to have a uh uh, stand for my MacBook that was like a bookshelf where I could stand stand it up, mm-hmm. and that way it it took as little space on my desk as possible. As a matter of fact, I still have it. I I went and dug it out, um, but again, can't use it for the same reason I couldn't use it before. Which is when you reboot the laptop, if it's in clamshell mode, you can't log into it through an external keyboard because the laptop won't recognize the keyboard until you've logged in. So you have to open the clamshell, log in that first time, and once you have that initial login, you're fine. So it can, you can close the clamshell, the system can lock itself, and you can unlock it with your keyboard and mouse. You just can't do it that initial time. So that's always been an issue for me, and, and whatever. I don't, you know. Yeah, a bunch of doesn't have that problem, but whatever. I've learned to deal with that. But the problem I'm having now is, and and I've I think I've corrected most of it. Is what was happening is my laptop was going to sleep, so it's very common for the laptops to go to sleep because it does it to conserve power. And every time my laptop went to sleep, I would lose complete complete connectivity to my mouse and keyboard in in any external device like my camera, my microphone. And I would have to unplug the USB connection and replug it back in to get all that stuff working. And it's been so, so annoying. So 
I've been in Windows. There's a setting for that. This is what I'm saying. There's got to be a setting. I've got to be missing a setting somewhere. Now I've since prevented it from going to sleep when it's plugged in. So I've said, "Hey, if the laptop is plugged in, don't go to sleep. Waste all the power you want." Basically, it's yeah. It it still (laughs) shuts down. I mean, it still it still goes into standby mode, but it doesn't completely go to sleep. It doesn't turn off the hard drive and all that. Um, that's corrected. Uh, some of it. I'm still losing my camera from time to time, but at least my keyboard and mouse will wake it up and allow me to log in and work. Uh, but it's been, it's, I, I'm like, I'm about, I'm going, to, I'm going to give it another week. But if it does, if the situation doesn't get better, I'm, I'm going to go back to my desktop, which I, I wasn't a fan of to begin with either. So <laughs> I'm just so hard to, I'm so hard to think. Okay, doom and gloom. I'll do Doom and Gloom this week. What? I know Thomas is, Thomas you? is biting to get to the Doom and Gloom. I, because I have a response to it. You have a response to it? Okay. I have a response to it. It's well documented, myself especially, but I think the whole team here has acknowledged that we're, we're Amazon Echo users. And I, especially uh, of the group, have a lot of Echoes and keep wanting to buy more. I want, I want to buy a couple of those Echo Dots. And, of course, we've all theorized... Why do you need them in the bathroom? bathroom? That's the question. Why don't you have one in the bathroom? Because the spots have video. You're you're sitting there, you're sitting on the toilet, you don't want to be touching things, why wouldn't you have an echo in there? (laughs) All right, (laughs) move on. (laughs) What's embarrassing is I... Surprisingly succinct, yeah, that's... (laughs) I do actually have a Google Assistant in my bathroom. I, I like to listen to music while I shower, what can I say? Okay, Google. Anyways. Clean me. If that you know that 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 will be a thing, you know. Okay, Google, turn my shower on, temperature, you know, whatever. You know, going back to make it feel the way I like it. Jefferson's Jefferson's where you go through the little tunnel and you're all of a sudden clean and and uh, clothed. Exactly. The Jetsons. Ours, Jetsons. So I said the, Jefferson's, the, didn't I? I'm a moron. <laughs> I'm a moron. Jefferson's was a little more <laughs> rough than that. It's eleven thirty. I'm ready to go to bed. You guys are taking way too long. We talk a lot, especially with Mr. Doom and Gloom, Thomas Rideout, but we've all had this realization that we've put hot mics in our home. Bathrooms. And again, <laughs> I, I've, I've always stated, I've already done that with, with cell phones. I mean, you've already, and it's true, you've already put hot mics on your person. So the fact that it's it's now in your home as a standalone device is not that surprising. But one of the first documented and acknowledged cases of the Amazon Echo device recording conversation. And in this case, I guess it's sent it to a friend of the couple that it recorded. The employer uh, of the man who was recorded. The I don't boss. think it was an employer. I think it was somebody who worked with him. Was it, was it, was it his actual employer? I believe I it, was it was his, his boss. I don't remember that piece of the article, but but what had happened, and, and it's you get the impression that the conversation was a little unflattering, like maybe it wasn't something that it was clearly something that they didn't want to share with a third party. Yeah, so this Echo device recorded a conversation between this man and his wife, and then sent that conversation to another party who happened to be an employer, an employee, a friend of. Somebody who works with, I think it was the husband at the time. And that is just well, so how? bizarre to me. But how? That's, how? That's what I know. Okay. Well, let's hear it. How? 
Amazon eventually responded to this and said, here's the chain of events that occurred exactly. They know what happened because they, they, log, <laughs> they log everything that your Alexa app is or your Alexa is doing. And they pulled up the secret. log. That's not a secret because you nope. can see that in your Alexa application. It'll say, There's a, hey, a full I history heard, of every command. Oh, I, heard you I say get this, it now. I responded with this. Yeah. So at some point in the conversation, the device heard the activation keyword. And then shortly afterwards, because there's a five to ten second activation time, it heard the command send message. Out loud, it said to whom, at which point something in the conversation got interpreted as this contact's name. The device then asked again out loud, contact name, right? And then in the conversation, it interpreted the word Right. And then the rest of the conversation was recorded and sent to that contact name. <laughs> but I, I thought Alexa also asked for confirmation for when before it's sent. So I know with my with my Google uh, device, and it, it happens to me all the time when I'm driving, I have the option of, of replying to messages and or even sending a message. So I could say, you know, Google send John... I'm a message. I'm on my way, and it'll reply. Do you want to? Okay, do you want to send it? Send... Do you want to send it or change it? Yeah, it'll... exactly. That's basically a... what happened. And that's a weird series of events. Amazon, Amazon has stated publicly that their explanation for what happened was sourced from the device's logs. So they right. looked it up on the device they looked up the device log and said this is what happened it thought you said send a message and then a name and then are you sure and then yes and then the message and then yes they're saying it's like a, it's an unlikely chain of events which is it unlikely because it, it, it seems like it seems like a creative commercial could take advantage of that so if if like, if your like if your device is set to volume a creative commercial 1 did where you don't really hear right. it Vol- and volume one is real quiet, yeah. like really, really quiet. But vo- if you're wearing but, headphones. But volume four is like it. way too loud, and it goes up to ten. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's such a mess. So what annoying. is up with that? Exactly. So annoying. Well, yeah. did you guys? Well, because you guys don't know, you can say volume four point. No, you can't. You can say you can. I do it. I've tried. It does not work. Unless I, I, I say I, I say work. volume two point five, and it works. There, there seems to be that little break point between three and four that it, it's like three, you can't hear it. Four, it's blaring. So I'll try it again. They're saying, now, my interjection for doom and gloom, because I always have to get the last word, is that it was confirmed that a device, a, a calculator application, got added to the Alexa skills, which included a conversation logger, which sent the conversations it logged, to a third party and could be installed on a an echo device using subsonic frequency communication so you're, you could encode subsonic conversation you could encode the command to install the skill on a podcast or a youtube video the device would pick it up and install the skill and then the skill would return every a text log of all conversations to uh, a third party endpoint just to be clear, we're not doing that on this episode, right? That you know of. I'm not editing it, so I don't know. 
All right, is that it? Is that you know what? I I, I feel lucky if that, if that's all the doom and gloom we have. Yeah, so sleep tight. It's not all the doom and gloom I have, but we're we're straight up out of time. We're way. I mean, hard. I was I was gonna make this whole episode about government spying no. because what Florida is doing, who boy, it's oh. crazy. And uh, real quick, this impacts us directly since I have it on here. EFF won a uh, won their case over a patent troll around podca- a podcasting patent that I guess they were going after a bunch of the top-end podcasts and, and basically mm-hmm. trying to extort money out of them. Uh, yeah, they were saying that they had all the rights to distributing audio content. Yeah, and this and they even went after Adam Carolla, or was that his name, Carolla? I think the, the yeah. MTV guy who, my understanding of it, really kind of created the concept of podcasting I remember listening to him when he was first doing this and before it was even called, I don't even think it was called podcasting at the time. He he just had this concept of, of doing this daily audio blog and, and publishing it. And, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty, I thought back then that, yes, I thought it was going to be the new radio, but I also thought it was going to be the new email system. And I, I envision clients being created for grandmothers and grandfathers. Well, now you're giving way, away ideas for free. The same way email clients are, where people would re- would record conversations and then send it, you know, not send it to anybody, but allow their their people, friends, parents, whoever, to subscribe to st- streams and, and hear these conversations. Anyways, long story short. Too late for that. The EFF, the EFF, uh, finally won this case over this patent troll, and uh, I guess the whole thing is squashed now, and and they they they're not able to sue people. I'm I'm sure they'll they'll keep it going in the courts for a while, but uh, it's a big deal, especially for for a small pa- podcast like us. Who you know, this is just us wanting to. This is really our friendship time. It's our time to hang out, to talk about Aww. stuff that interests uh, us, and to, to include people like Thomas in on that conversation. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and it's run on far too long for John's a- appeal. And we def yeah we definitely feel like uh, yeah I'm, good, I'm glad to hear that this platform is going to be able to stay alive for a while. So it would it would have sucked to, for it to have died over something like this. Right. Way to bring it down, Eric. That was Jeez. good. No, that was Mr. good. We won. Mr. Doom and gloom here. <laughs> I can never take that title from you, I promise. You can't. You gave it to me. That is true. I did. I coined that phrase. Oh, I coined another I... phrase. What was the other phrase I coined? Just the tip. Oh, oh that was it. John, remember, you remember the other, the other phrase I coined? PHP is the Deadpool of programming. Oh, yeah, you did that. Yep. What? That's right. Yeah. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm idea man. You're supposed. Today, to, you didn't tweet it out, so I took it. Yeah. It's already. Yeah. I've already got rights for it in the movies and everything. Damn it! You're gonna sue me. Not. Not now. After the podcast gets published, you'll sue me mm-hmm. because I say it in there. Yep. Shit. You dev will be mine. All right. <laughs> Episode 107 in the bag. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm Eric Bandow. I'm John Congdon. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. 
Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.